About ten years ago, while on a paperback tour for my second novel, Sweet Ruin, I slid into my assigned aisle airplane seat and immediately became aware of the couple next to me in the window and middle spots. I'll call them Jack and Jill. Both were tall, blonde, and attractive, if, like me, approaching middle age. He had the telltale extra pound or two in the gut. Her face was slightly creased. Nonetheless, they had the distinct aura of two 16-year-olds newly in love. He teased, she giggled. He leaned over her to look out the window. Her hand rested on his arm. As I sat, apparently on one part of his seatbelt, he made a joke to me, but clearly for her benefit, about my not thinking him rude if he retrieved it. She laughed, he joked again, this time to her. Hey, it was your idea for me to sit in the middle. I joked back to them, you guys want me to go somewhere else so you can have some privacy here? They both laughed. Yeah, would you? And since the flight was packed and I couldn't actually move, we were off to a promising start for a writer always on the hunt for a good story. By the time we landed, I had theirs. Jill was heading into her mid-forties, as I too was then. Unlike me, though, she had adult children. I had young ones. Two young grandchildren and a joyless, stifling, outdated marriage to, as you may have guessed by now, a man other than the one sitting next to her. She wanted to leave, and her husband knew that, and didn't want the same, but so far they hadn't divorced. Jack, too, was in an unhappy marriage. His wife hadn't wanted to have sex with him for years, though sometimes she did anyway, and he had cheated on her before. They had, he said, a don't-ask, don't-tell policy. Like Jill, he wanted to leave, but he had a ten-year-old son and didn't want to miss out on his son's childhood or pay alimony, especially when he'd funded his wife going back to school and, now graduated, she still hadn't returned to work. Jack and Jill had met through their jobs. One thing had led to another, and now they were enmeshed in a full-blown affair, taking every chance they had to flee or hide out together. They spoke wistfully about when they might be with each other openly. She confessed that she cried sometimes when they parted, deciding she'd have to end this, as it was too hard to always have to say goodbye. While they talked to me, they each ordered a drink from the cart, and then another, lowering the shade against the bright sun. Uninvited, she sloppily poured his beer into his plastic cup with about three inches of foam on the top, and they both cracked up, giddy with alcohol and lust, no doubt imagining the fun they'd have this week away from their spouses. At the end of the flight, I wished them good luck, and they promised to email and fill me in on what happened, which they did. More about them in a bit. Several years before that, just about 15 years ago now, I conceived and eventually edited a book of essays called The Bitch in the House, 26 Women Tell the Truth About Sex, Solitude, Work, Motherhood, and Marriage. The contributors ranged in age from 24 to 76, but the bulk of the book and what ultimately made it a bestseller and propelled me to my amusement into a person who can walk into my local bookstore and have the employees gleefully yell, The bitch is in the house! were the essays by my then 30-something female peers, women juggling serious careers, careers in which they often significantly out-earned their boyfriends or husbands, while still, they felt, 
shouldering the bulk of the domestic, social, and parenting burden. The overriding tone of the book was anger and dissatisfaction. Feminism, I posited, had opened the doors for the women of my generation to be educated and have careers on a level with men, to support ourselves and climb job ladders in our 20s, to fully anticipate fulfilling and lucrative professions in which we contributed a comparable or superior share of the family income, and to have the help, once we married and especially had children, of an equal domestic partner and co-parent in all of it. We picked sensitive, intelligent men who accepted and benefited from us as peers, intellectually, financially, and otherwise. But when the babies arrived, whether because they couldn't, because they wouldn't, and or because society or we ourselves wouldn't let them, many of these men were not contributing what we working women perceived as their half—